fire. It's something, isn't it? There's just something powerful about it. It's, it's beautiful. It's enchanting. And yet in our world today, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty commonplace. And we have matches and we have lighters. In my house, I can just walk out into the living room in the morning and push a button on a remote and instantly have a roaring fire going in my fireplace. But for the ancients, fire was different. It wasn't so easy to come by. It was elusive. It was mysterious. And yet it was, in, it was essential for their whole life. They depended on it to cook their food and to purify their tools and, and medical instruments. They depended on it to give light when the sun went down. It was the only source of light. They needed it to provide heat, to provide warmth. They needed it for even protection. And so for the ancients, fire wasn't a simple scientific act of combustion. Fire was something that was miraculous. It was divine. It was a gift of the gods. And yet it wasn't always a gift so freely given. In Greek mythology, the legend goes that Prometheus, the titan, was the one who brought fire down to people. But in order to bring it to people, he had to first steal it from Zeus on Mount Olympus, which didn't make Zeus very happy. See, fire belonged to the gods, not to people. And Zeus was so upset that he then chained Prometheus, according to the myth, to a giant rock. And he put an eagle there to eat out Prometheus's liver every day. And because Prometheus is immortal, his liver would regenerate overnight and the eagle would eat it the next day and on and on and on. Some punishment, right? For stealing fire. But that's how serious it was. It was, it was the property of the gods, not of men. Uh, thanks to Disney, you might also know about Maui, the demigod. And according to the old Maori myth, Maui actually stole fire from the goddess Mahuika, and uh, he tricked her, actually, into, into throwing fire into a group of trees, and the trees received the fire within themselves, and that was Maui's way of making sure that people would always be able to find fire simply by rubbing two sticks together. The fire would then be released. See, for the ancients... Fire was, was something powerful. It was something that they needed. And, and I know we think about these myths and maybe, maybe they sound crazy to us. And yet the truth of tonight is this, that we here also gather to celebrate and to give thanks for God's gift of fire given to us on this most holy night. Now, when we talk about God's gift of fire given to us through Jesus, I just want to make sure I get this in here because we don't want, there we go. Uh, when I talk about God's gift of fire given to us, it, it triggers something for me. I, I once heard someone say that all religions are basically the same and that there are only superficial differences between them, that, that fundamentally every religion in the world is, is the same. And yet I think that the truth is that all religions in the world are actually superficially the same. You know, they, they appear to be the same on the surface, but they're actually fundamentally different. See, when we talk about religion, most religions of the world, they, uh, they focus on this word up here. I've got great handwriting, don't I? Um, they focus on this, this word up here. The word is do. Right? That, that's the word of religion. So do this and, and act this way and make sure that you function in this kind of way in order to make yourself pleasing. 
And so as people live out their lives under this, under this, uh, this do, it's, it's constantly a list of rules and commands. And uh, all religions seem that way, but Christianity is so different. Uh, for Christianity, the word isn't do. The word, someone has said, is done. The word is done. We just heard about it in that song. Come and see what God has done. It's all about what God has done for us, for our benefit, not about what we are called to do. Or uh, maybe you can think about it this way, that in most religions, there's kind of this ladder, a hierarchy of people in the world. And, and so we try to put people on a ladder, and at the very top of the ladder are the very best people, the best people that you know. And so for me, maybe I don't know a lot of good people in my own life, but when I think of really good people, um, I, think of, I think of Mother Teresa, a good person, right? I mean, I never saw her drive in rush hour traffic, so maybe, maybe she wasn't. But as far as I know, uh, she was a good person, one of the best people. And, and so, you know, most religions, they would say, okay, someone like her, she's, she's at the top. And, and then at the very bottom, you put the most evil people that you can think of in the world. And, and uh, so, you know, you think about someone really evil. And I don't know, for argument's sake, let's just say, let's just say Bill Belichick there. Um, let's just put the whole New England Patriots right there. Tom Brady, all the rest of them right there at the bottom. And then everyone else is somewhere in between, right? And see, in most religions, here's what you do as a person. You, you try to figure out where you fit in that hierarchy. Where am I? Well, I'm not Bill Belichick. I'm not Mother Teresa, so where am I? And then here's what most religions do. Most religions, somewhere in the hierarchy of, of good to evil, they draw a line. And they say, hey, if, if you're above this line, you're in, you're okay, you're safe, you're loved, you're, you, you have the favor of God or the gods, but if you fall below that line, uh-oh. Now, some religions maybe don't draw a line at all, most do. And Christianity is, is similar in that we draw a line, but we don't draw a line that way. We draw a line vertically, right down the middle, or close to right down the middle. See, for us, the question isn't, are you good? Or how good are you? The question of Christianity is, that God asks for us is, are you mine? And if you belong to him, if you've accepted his grace in your life, then, then we're kind of all over the place, aren't we? We're good, we're bad. Sometimes in different days, we're one or the other. And, and yet the question God asks isn't, are you good enough? It's, it's are you mine? Do, do you fall in the category of being with me or against me? Or uh, most religions in the world, really, if you look at their gods, most of their gods are takers. And so people are, are commanded to, to serve the gods and offer sacrifices to the gods and, and please the gods, and the gods make commands that are for their benefit. But, but in our faith, it's totally different. Our God is a giver. He's a giver, first and foremost. He's a God who even as he's commanding us to do things, he's commanding it for our benefit. He wants to give us life, and, and he wants nothing more. And so even his commands, they're, man, they're, they're not about us serving him or pleasing him. It's, it's, really, it's really our way to discover life. It's, it's for our benefit, not for, not for his benefit. See, all religions may appear to be the same on the surface. They're superficially the same. But the truth is they are fundamentally different. And so tonight, as we think about this giver God who gave us the gift of fire, we know that we're talking about something different than, than those myths I just explained to you a minute ago. Now, I realize that some of you may still be struggling with this idea that, that uh, Christmas is equated with fire, that Jesus is a gift of fire. And uh, let me just say this, that for many of the prophets, as they look forward to the day of Jesus' coming, fire is exactly how they described it, how they described him. 
The prophet Ezekiel once had a vision and, and he saw God, he saw Jesus before he was incarnate and here's what he said as, as he saw this vision. He said, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire and that from the waist down, he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him. Or Malachi talks about the day of, of the Lord's coming, the, the coming of the Messiah. He says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Or John the Baptist, some of you have heard of him, the, the forerunner of Jesus came right before him. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in the book of Hebrews, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming what? Fire. See, fire. And just in the same way that fire protects and it, it comforts, it warms, in the same way that fire purifies or refines in the same way that fire illuminates, so does Jesus. But not just kind of believing in him or acknowledging that he exists, but really by living life in his presence. See, I think this is where we get confused so often. Jesus has come into the world. That's objective fact. I believe it. The history books record it. And yet it's not just that he's come into the world that brings all the benefits of his fire into our lives. It's, it's living life in his presence. And so let me show you really quickly what this might look like. First, when you live your life in Jesus' presence, first he protects. See, fire was one of those powerful weapons in the ancient world. If you had fire, you were, you were unstoppable. You could burn down city walls. You could launch flaming arrows into enemies. And there wasn't much they could do, especially uh, in Jesus' area in, in the ancient Near East where Jesus was born. Uh, it was kind of a dry land. And, and so fire was really, really brutal. And you see, when you live life close to Jesus, you've got that kind of power in your corner. A, a fire, a power that is so mighty that even darkness can't come against it. Uh, in John's version of the Christmas story, sounds kind of different than the, the one we usually hear, the one that we've heard tonight. He says this, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word, by the way, is, is Jesus before he came into the world. It says he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. It's talking about a, a power that is so powerful that even the darkness can't overcome it. Now, after the year that we've had in, in just our country and our world, I don't need to convince you that darkness is a thing, do I? I don't need to make a case for the fact that evil exists in the world. I mean, just, just think about the last year. I, I don't need to make that argument, do I? We, we just kind of know that, that, that there is darkness in the world. There is evil in the world. And I know that some of us, we get kind of overwhelmed by that. We feel intimidated by that. Some of us get anxious. We want to just lock ourselves away in our houses, pull our family close, stock up lots of food, load our guns, and just, you know, ride it out, right? And yet the truth of Christmas is that God has brought us a kind of fire that is more powerful than anything 
the world can throw at us. You've heard the saying, fight fire with fire. Well, we've got a fire in our corner, a power in our corner that is so powerful that, that nothing can overcome it. And that means you don't have to be afraid anymore. Jesus came down to be one who would protect. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing will ever go wrong in life or that nothing bad will happen. We know that, right? And yet what that means is the things that, that could threaten us most, that threaten what's most important to us, not just our life here, our health here, but our eternity that Jesus has defeated all of those things for us and we have nothing to fear. The, the hymn writer, the, the reformer Martin Luther in a hymn that a lot of you may know called The Mighty Fortress, he said this, he said, and take they, these devils, the darkness of the world, take they our life, good, fame, child, uh, good, fame, child, and wife, let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won because the kingdom ours remaineth. See, what's most important, Jesus protects. Now next, he comforts. He comforts. Now for me, I'm discovering in life that uh, when, when I'm stressed out, there's nothing like being out in nature just to kind of bring me back. Is anyone else kind of that way? Just being outside, being in someplace beautiful, there's nothing that can calm me down like that. And strangely, there are, there are two forces of nature that I find the most comforting. They're kind of opposites. Fire and water. In the summer, in the warm months, I love to be near water. I, I love to be at a, you know, one of the great lakes or at the ocean, watching the waves roll in, feeling the water. It's just, man, it's relaxing, isn't it? And then when the weather turns cold, I love fires in my fireplace. I love going in our backyard and building a bonfire. And I love just sitting and watching the flames dance. It's mesmerizing. But I love feeling the warmth come in and it just has a way of, of, of soothing me. See, Jesus, when you live life in his presence, not just when you believe that he exists, but when you live life in his presence, he will bring you great comfort through all things in life. As a pastor, I've only been a pastor for 12 years, but as a pastor, I've walked with people through every kind of circumstance I think I can imagine. I've walked with people through incarceration, through job loss, through financial ruin, where people have lost everything. I've walked with people through the loss of loved ones, parents who've lost children, children who've lost parents. I remember a few years ago, uh, there were a couple of teenage girls in my congregation in Michigan, and uh, their father died, and then within 18 months, their mom died in a freak accident. And so as two teenage girls, they found themselves completely orphaned. And I remember walking with them through that. I've had to walk with people through um, a circumstance where they had a loved one who they didn't know where they were. They went missing and they weren't sure if they were dead or alive, if they were safe. They had no idea. And I've had to walk with people through that. I've had to walk with people through disease and even death. And, and here's what I'm convinced of. That I'm convinced that the presence of Jesus makes an enormous difference when you're walking through something hard. And I know that sounds trite, and yet if you've experienced it, you know it's true that, that there are some things in life that break some people, and those same things can happen to other people, and they don't break. And I think the difference is not just uh, you know, a difference of will or character. The difference, in my experience, is the presence of Christ and what he can do for you in a hard situation. In fact, I just walked through this again recently. I've experienced it many times in my life, and I haven't talked much about this, actually. But um, in the month of October... We were, um, as a church, some of you know this, that we were kicking off a big two-year vision, and so there was a lot of work that had gone into that, and it was a big time for our congregation as we were talking about what we believe God is calling us to do next. Um, and so I was working a ton, and there was a lot of stress, and then right in the middle of that, right at the beginning of that, actually, my wife Jocelyn got um, news from a biopsy, a skin biopsy, that uh, she had some malignant cells, some cancerous cells, 
And, um, and so we had to go through this whole thing with an excision, and some of you have been through that, and, and to make sure that she was okay, and she's fine now, but we didn't know that at the time, right? So you throw on the cancer word, and it suddenly gets really scary, and so we had to, we had to walk through that. And then right after that, right after she had had her surgery, her grandfather died suddenly. I mean, he had been sick, but we weren't expecting him to die right then, and, and he died. And then right after that, my own dad had some serious health issues and had some freak seizures that landed him in the hospital, and, and uh, so I had to run up to Michigan. And, 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 you know, you've had seasons like that, haven't you, in life where, where just everything is piling on, and you're, you're thinking, man, I, I've got to deal with all this, and i still got to feed my kids and still pay the bills and, and show up at work. And for me, it was just a reminder again and how powerful God's presence can be in your life when you're going through something tough. That knowing that Jesus is with you and looking for his presence in your life, that's not just trite religious sentimentality. There's real power there to get you through things that are so difficult, that are, that are unthinkable. See, then after he uh, comforts, he purifies or he refines us. When you let Jesus come near, it'll get a little hot sometimes. It'll get a little uncomfortable because he has a way of, of, of when he's with us, he has a way of burning away the things within us that are ugly, that are impure, that are diseased, that are evil. He has a way of refining us. And I know being refined, you know, getting too close to fire, it doesn't, it doesn't sound fun. But you know what I think is worse than, than having God refine you to experience God's refining power? I think it's worse than that. Being left alone. Being left alone to deal with all of your baggage, all of your brokenness, all of your shortcomings, all of your flaws, all on your own. See, I don't think there's anything worse than that of, of being stuck, being the person you are, battling all of your battles, fighting all of your demons on your own. I know some of you would, at this point in life, just rather be left alone. And that's why you stay away. You keep your distance. You think, man, I just want peace in my life. Just leave me alone. And I just want to caution you about something. Never, ever, ever mistake relief with peace. They're different things. And peace only comes from God. And it doesn't come until God comes into our lives and, and he heats things up on us. He does some work and he begins to purify us or refine us. And finally, this fire from heaven, he illuminates. He reveals things as they really are. He, he shines light on the condition of our souls, the things that we try to hide, the facades that we hide behind, the times that we even deceive ourselves. He casts a light on that so that we can see ourselves as we really are. But you know more than that what he does, what he illuminates? He illuminates the face of God. See, Jesus has come into the world so that we don't have to guess anymore about who our God is. We don't have to guess if he's kind or angry, if he's, if he's, if he's generous or stingy. We don't have to guess anymore. Because in the, in, the, in the light of Jesus' fire, we fully see the face of God. And that's why if you're someone who's looking into Christianity, you've got to start with Jesus. Because he's the one who reveals who the Father is truly and clearly. Through him we see the Father. See, tonight, we gather here to celebrate and praise and give thanks to a God who gave us not just the gift of hope, not just love, not just joy, not just peace, not all the things we talk about during this season, but a God who gave us the gift of fire. 
And, and here's the temptation when it comes to fire. The temptation is that we will keep our distance, that we'll admire it from afar, that we may even appreciate it from where we're standing. We may even praise or worship it from a long way away. And yet it's not until we come near. It's not until we get close. It's not until we let him, I should say, draw near. It's probably more accurate. That then Jesus does in us what he came to do. It's not until we get near that we can experience his protection and his warmth and comfort. It's not until we get near that we can experience his purification, his refining power, which is painful, but it's good. It's not until we get near that, that he can illuminate us and illuminate the face of God for us. And so tonight, I want to I I challenge you to, for something. I know we're here for a lot of different reasons, and I'm just glad that you're here for whatever reason. But tonight, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you not to play it safe because I know that if you approach fire arrogantly or cautiously, you can get burned. But, but instead, I'm going to challenge you to approach this holy fire with humility, with gratitude, with an expectant heart and spirit and to let him do in you what he came into the world to do. See, tonight we gather around this gift of God not stolen, not, not obtained by trickery, but this gift of God, Jesus, our Savior, fire from heaven brought down for us. And so tonight, here's how I want to uh, close. Um, I want us to all stand. Stand if you would. Because we have a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. And as we pray this prayer, here's what I hope that you will do. I hope that you will just open yourself up to this gift that God wants to give to you. I hope that as you pray this prayer, you just allow yourself to be open to whatever God wants to do in you beginning tonight, beginning anew in tonight or beginning for the first time tonight. I want you to open yourself up to the protection, to the comfort, to the, the refinement, to the illumination that God wants to bring, not just into the world generally, but into you. And so um, if that's something that you want, if that's something that your heart's crying out for tonight, then just let all of that heartfelt desire go into these words as we pray together. Father in heaven, send the fire of your love to fill us this holy night. Through your son, whose birth we honor, give us the warmth of your presence and protection. Shine in us with the radiance of your light. Consume all that is evil within us, leaving us with more of you. Remind us that we are not alone. We are not forgotten. We are not abandoned, but we are yours. Forever bonded to you through your son, whose humanity we share, Jesus our savior. Amen.